We have a guest with us on our Linder Farm Network podcast today, Harry Siemens, good friend of ours, a farm broadcaster from Manitoba, Canada. We've actually been up to his place on a Linder Farm Network tour. And Harry, uh, how are you doing today? How are things in Canada? You know what? Uh, we're doing really well. You know, we were really dry in 2021, and, and it's been snowing. We have about 30% above normal snowfall in January. And it's continued in February. As of today, it's been snowing a little bit, so things are are good, you know. And uh, and Lynn, and and being in my fifty first year as a farm broadcaster, it can't be all bad. That's for sure. And we've had many conversations over the past. Uh, I know um, you've been covering this whole trucker situation in Canada. Let's talk a bit more about that. Is that getting a lot of news up there right now? You know, it's uh, been really interesting. It's kind of a almost like a cat and mouse uh, show right now. You know, who's who's going to move? Who's going to blink? What's going to happen? Uh, and uh, the Ottawa police, the city of Ottawa police, have have said they're going to start uh, arresting if they don't move. And I just got a word just to, as uh, as you called me from somebody who says it looks like they're going to continue to stay. So it's uh, really an interesting thing. As far as uh, uh, what is happening, I believe uh, the mainstream media has not been telling the true story. They've only been talking about the negative because so much of our mainstream media is actually funded in part by the federal government and especially in more so under Prime Minister Trudeau. And so some things are, are really interesting. So I get the positive from truckers that are right there. They're telling me, phoning me, texting me, sending me pictures and videos, and they say you're not going to see this on mainstream uh, mainstream media. So, you know, on on one hand, you know, it's hard to to fathom what is actually going on as far as the uh, protests are concerned. I understand why they're protesting, but at the same time, you know, this thing's going on two weeks, and some of these families, they're they're couples with their children that have been gone living in a truck, living in hotels, living in other homes for over two weeks. And so they're serious. We're going to see what's going to happen. You know, I have to wonder about it when the the prime minister calls these people Nazis. And in reality, they don't want to get a vaccine. Now, I've had three shots. I've had my vaccines and my boosters and all that kind of stuff. And I've had COVID. But I respect somebody that does not want to get this vaccine. It's not a real vaccine, for one thing. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a different kind of shot. They're calling it a vaccine, but it isn't. You can still get COVID and you can still pass it on. So if these truckers who sit in a truck all day long by themselves don't really want to be forced to get a vaccine, I guess I don't blame them. It, it seems like that's a, that's a problem that certainly could be solved pretty quickly there. Well, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, a couple of the provinces, and not the one that I live in in Manitoba, but Saskatchewan. You know, the, the, the premier of Saskatchewan moved a, a bit on saying, you know, on February the 14th we will uh, remove a lot of the restrictions. Then the premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, he moved on on uh, reducing some uh, restrictions, but he said, I'm going I can put them back in any time I want. And so there's some movement going on as far as uh, what some of these uh, provincial governments are doing. But on the other hand, uh, 
uh, even the provincial governments, and I, I hate to say this, but we have a social medicine program across this country, and a lot of the funding comes from the federal government, which is our taxes. So a lot of the if premiers, if they don't do exactly sometimes with some specific things that the federal government wants to do, well, they just have to say, hey, we're just uh, going to cut your your funding back a little bit. Well, right now, nobody knows what our medicine system costs. And so if they cut back on funding, we could be in some serious trouble, especially with the, the problems that we're having right now. Yeah, it's very interesting to watch. Now, the Manitoba area that you live in, um, north of Minnesota, actually, very productive area when it comes to crops, isn't it? <laughs> very, very productive. I mean, I just uh, did uh, an article or an interview with uh, with a farmer and, uh, and a company representative from uh, from a food-grade non-GMO soybeans. And, and they're growing about thirty to 40,000 acres of those soybeans here in Manitoba. We have about 1.2 million acres of the normal GMO soybeans last year. And, and uh, you know what? We grow corn. We, you know, the guys were, were unhappy with 120 bushels an acre for corn. A couple of years ago, 80 bushels was a bumper crop. And 200 isn't unheard of here in southern Manitoba. So it's really been productive and, uh, and very interesting. The one thing I'd like to share with you, the president of the Canadian Pork Council, Rick Bergman, a good friend of mine, I talked to him recently and he says, you know what, we have millions of weanlings that are waiting to go south and we have feed grains in the United States that is waiting to come north to feed pigs. And that's, that was even before this trucker convoy because we just were short of truck drivers and short of trucks going across the border for various reasons. And I know the whole pig thing going back and forth between Canada and the U.S., that's been contentious at times over the years. But uh, one thing's for sure, they need to move those feeder pigs. As he told me, he says, Harry, we cannot put them on the shelf. We got we got to we got to keep moving them unless you process them. And even here, our processors just can't keep up. So it's the it's the weanling. We call them isoweens here in, in in Manitoba that the producers in Iowa, Missouri, and Minnesota like so much. And so uh, that's what needs to move across. Yeah, I you would think they could get something worked out. I mean, reasonable people should be able to sit down and get it done. But when you get politicians involved, uh, it's not always reasonable, no doubt about it. Let's talk about uh, a bit more how things are looking for the coming growing season. Canada is a big producer, no doubt about it. Uh, how do things look? Have you been? Are, you continue to be pretty dry. Western Canada, we were. You know, 65% of normal as far as our crop was concerned for 2021. Uh, before this snowfall, the attitudes weren't that good because subsoil moisture, I did a survey on, on Twitter just before Christmas, and, and there's most of the areas across the western uh, provinces were short on subsoil moisture. Our streams were empty, our dugouts were empty, and so forth. And so I interviewed a farmer a couple of days ago on this soybean story, and I asked him the same question. I says, Kyle, uh, what's it like when you look back 2021? Well, he says, today, with the snowfall and the bit of moisture in fall, I says, my attitude has done a 180% turn just because of the potential that's there. Even though we, 
we need those rains during the uh, spring growing season and so forth. But uh, when you see the white snow that we've had, which we haven't seen for a number of years, you know what? It's pretty nice. One final thing I want to talk to you about is the Keystone Pipeline that uh, was stopped by this administration for I don't understand why. I mean, a lot of it's been completed. It seems to make a lot more sense to me to be moving oil by pipeline than by truck and by rail. And we need to get oil from Canada, our friends to the north, instead of getting oil from Russia and the Middle East. Uh, what What have you heard about that up in Canada? Well, you know, it's been a, a real challenge because, uh, you know, the, the oil industry in Alberta suffered and it still continues to suffer greatly. I know I have friends that have worked in the oil patch and, and some of them just aren't working now because there's no work. Uh, and the other thing is that, that I'd like to tell you is that the same prime minister that will not meet with the truckers on this uh, vaccine mandate, that same prime minister, it seems like, he would like to basically shut down the oil industry in Western Canada. So you don't hear any complaints from them, really. They may do some lip service, but really no complaints. We just upped our, we just upped our, our gasoline prices on Monday by 10 cents a liter. We're now looking at a dollar fifty a liter. And when you look at the American dollar, that's six bucks a gallon. And uh, and that's and, and it's just going to keep going up. And they're they're putting on carbon tax after carbon tax after carbon tax. And the farmers are really concerned because they're even talking about minimizing uh, the uh, fertilizer use, uh, the emissions from from fertilizer by 30 percent. And I've talked to farmers. If that's the case, many of them will not be in the business because they need the fertilizer to make the extra dollars, uh, extra bushels. So we've got some real challenges here as far as our climate change is concerned and as far as uh, some of the other issues. But when it comes down to the actual on-farm, I mean, $20 canola uh, and uh, 8 or $9 wheat and barley, whatever it may be, it made up for the difference that the moisture cut the crop back last year. So if we can keep going forward this way, the farm community continues to be pretty positive. Yeah, I know gasoline I, in the western U.S. now and parts of the country is uh, 4 to $6 in the U.S., and boy, it has really gone up. And uh, it is interesting because the whole climate change, um, those proponents of it say it's settled science, and yet there are thousands of scientists who disagree with it. And when you start looking at statistics, it's far far from being a settled issue right now. But if you say that, people say you're, you're crazy. But uh, I've, I've seen numbers, statistics, and the, the jury's still out on all of that in my book. Well, I, I use one example. I said, just people say, what about the carbon tax and carbon credits? Well, the difference between a carbon credit uh, or, and a carbon tax, you take the one carbon tax you take out of the right-hand pocket, you put the the carbon credit into the left pocket and you take a little bit in the middle for some of the civil servants and then they claim they're going to be saving the environment by doing so and that to me makes uh, absolutely no sense on the other hand it makes a lot of sense from the standpoint that basically it's a tax grab yeah more government money and i know here in minnesota we have 20 ethanol plants and uh, we are now tied to California fuel standards, which could mean eventually mandating 
all electric vehicles if California does. That's crazy when you have 20 ethanol plants and the greatest carbon uh, system in the world to take carbon out of the air, growing corn and soybeans. So a lot of this stuff doesn't make a whole lot of sense here in the United States to me. Yeah, exactly. Harry, great to talk to you. Let's do this time to time and kind of keep up. And if folks want to catch you on Facebook, you're there, right, or Twitter? You bet. I my I my name is you know Harry Siemens on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and Facebook, and uh, and they can catch me wherever. I have about thirty thousand followers on social media, and I publish every day to them. And spell your uh, last name for us. S I E M E N. Yes, a good German name, Siemens. Okay, Harry Siemens. You can check him out on social media. That's it here on the Linder Farm Network.